Literally Just Filler with Caleb and Rachel. Hello. Hello. You were tuned into. Is what? it me you're looking for? <laughs> this is not tuned into because this isn't a radio. This we are literally a- trying to tune ourselves out of yeah. work. <laughs> Hello. You are listening to uh, Literally Just Filler with me, Rachel and Caleb. That's right. We are here talking about movies. Yes, movies. Welcome back to the AFI 100 years uh, of, of important American films. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. We are up to, what are we up to? 90, 98. Yes, to I believe film. so. <laughs> We're up to film 98. <laughs> Last week we talked about Toy Story. So yes, we are talking about uh, movie. 98 today. On That's right. We're, we're talking about 98, which is, uh, you know what? Firstly, yeah. we had this discussion uh, like not that long ago. We didn't give Toy Story a score. We didn't give Toy Story a score, yes. And uh, we're going to give the score now. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at all of Toy Story as a movie and a story, I think I'm going to give it an 8.5, maybe a very close 9. Are you one of those people that have to divide? Okay, an 8. I'll give it an 8. Yeah, I'd give it a... You know what? I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. Because the package is amazing at the time. Yeah. But it has diminished. It does look awful in comparison. In comparison. Uh, to modern CGI crap. So I give it a, a solid seven. Uh, it's a solid story. It's a solid story. I've, I would agree with you on the CGI because I was watching um, just uh, the top ten greatest mm. musical um movie openings, like uh, animated movie openings. And uh, they did uh, a countdown from 10 to 1. Anyway, it showed the different animation styles from the recent stuff to the earlier stuff. And the earlier stuff, like Toy Story, um, it doesn't breathe, if you get what I mean. Yeah, 100%. There's no naturalness to it. Yeah. I I watched a doco on the making of, of Finding Nemo. Yeah. And their biggest thing was having that realism of water. Yeah. So, you know, like all the little flotsam and bubbles and Specs, crap yeah. that's floating in there as well as depth. So everything's got weight to movement and, yeah. and swaying and moving to give that realistic look to it. But uh, I don't know. It's fine. Yeah. Because I mean, that was like, what, 2003? Yeah. Finding Nemo? Uh, and uh, <laughs> there's like a million movies can do that better and they could just fake it. Yeah. It's, you know what reminded me of watching, uh, looking back at Toy Story and, you know, no, it was a big thing for CGI and animation, but it was like stock, sim- uh, not Simpsons, like Flintstone. It's like this is a picture, but it doesn't move. Only certain elements in the picture move. I get you, yeah. So they're like their clothing and then when they move, their clothing is moving. Yeah. But that's it. But that's it. Everything else is stationary. That is early CGI, and I mm. realised now. That was last week. Now we're moving on to this week. As Caleb said, we are talking about Yankee Doodle Dandy, 1942. Uh, yeah, so this is a, you know what, it's a pretty good movie. Yeah, like Caleb, look, Caleb has been texting me throughout the week about how he was just absolutely blown away from with this movie. A hundred percent. So I've been dreading watching this. Yeah. It's a 1940s movie. Yeah. Usually they are dry. They are static. Oh, my Um, God. You haven't. How many 1940 movies have you watched? A bunch of crappy ones, it appears. You need to watch the good ones. You'd wake up. I remember being a kid and you'd watch those classic movies that were on like 
the TV on a Sunday. Yeah. They'd be on at 12 o'clock and it's this old stuffy bloody film of romance and everything's like a tight shot yeah. or a static shot and there's... It's just terrible and boring and drove 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 me insane. Yeah, basically. It's, I think it's those type of movies that a lot of people hated uh, in in my, uh, my generation, and that's what I expected. I expected Yankee Doodle Danny to be some weird propaganda film um, about some thing American, American. and uh, there's going to be some music in it because I knew it was a musical. Yeah, and that was it. And I thought it'd just be like here's a lot of shots, and it was on this list. I thought. Because of its importance to like modern cinema, yeah, and I think that still holds true. Yeah, from what I saw, uh, and then I watched it, and boy was I wrong. Yeah, I remember signing off of last um, the last episode, and both of us going, "Oh, it's going to be an American propaganda film." It is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is. But that was the thing I was dreading the most. That it's just we love America. Um, yeah. Other than that, I was. I mean, it is that, but I think the music theatre kid and the theatre kid in me like the story, that story of it. So you appreciate the, uh, what it was about yeah, and, and the, the history development of American modern, modern theatre for yeah. America, Broadway. Yeah, Broadway. So, yes, Yankee Doodle Dandy, 1942, uh, is a kind of biopic. Well, not kind of, it is. It is the biopic of... Um, George maker, M. Cohen. George M. Cohen, uh, who once upon a time was a vaudeville actor mm-hmm. who travelled the country with his... F- well, let, let's set it up first. So you set up the film, uh, go through what happens in it, what? and uh, we'll just discuss it from there. Yeah, no worries. So the film opens with uh, a 4th of July parade happening, and we see... Uh, oh, my God, what's his name? George M. Uh, jo- James Cagney. Cagney. Yeah. Well, n- oh, that's right. Sorry, I'm oh getting confused. No, it, it starts with him play- doing a play. The play. He's doing his play. I'd rather be right where he's impersonating President Franklin D. Roosevelt. Uh, which was interesting because this is um, before people knew that Roosevelt was in a wheelchair yeah. due, due to polio. Yeah. So he's always sitting down, which was interesting. And they did that when they mm-hmm. uh, go to the White House. Anyway, he's just come off doing this show, a show, uh, which is his return to the theatre as well that we find out at the end of the movie. Uh, there's, so there's a funny thing in the beginning of it. So it's, it's literally George M. Cohen doing an impersonation of uh, Roosevelt, Roosevelt at the, yeah. the theatre. And then he gets invited to... Yes. Visit the actual president in Washington. Coming at a time like this, with everything he has on his mind, this is not just a casual invitation. This is important. I think we're in trouble. Oh, don't worry, dear. They don't telegraph you to come and be shot at sunrise. He doesn't get up that early. Yeah, and besides, I got to run the play contract. Find time to make lame jokes. He just strolls on in. Yeah, right? he just he just walks to Pennsylvania Avenue, goes through the back <laughs> well, gate. You even remember the the street name, do you? Oh, I was a big West Wing watcher, so I oh, knew. Of course, <laughs> God, I was a big Twenty Four watcher. Okay, you should same know, show. Should. Yeah, you should know. Um, <laughs> I love it. Takes place in the White House, Twenty Four. Really? Yeah. I never watched Season an episode. Season four has the main villain being the president. Oh, that's right. You keep saying this. Yeah, this is one 24. of his favourite shows. It's, it's legitimately the number one favourite show. No, it's not. Hannibal is. No, it's not. Really? Hannibal's probably number four. Really? Really. Twin Peaks? Number three. Okay. Lost number two. And lost number two. 24 number one, <laughs> okay, baby. there we go. Anyway. We spend way too much time together <laughs> that I know what your top five is. <laughs> so um, he goes and meets the president and he's... Uh, 
Ah, thank you, sir. You know, he sits down, he starts having a chat with the president. Well, hello there. How's my double? Your double isn't any too sure. You've got to give me time to work on that one. Why, I was told you knew all the answers. There was a time when I thought so. Right now, I wish I did. Yes, so do I. Sit down, Mr. Cohen. Thanks. The president wants to know, uh, tell me about your life, because he's still dressed up as Roosevelt. Right? Yeah. Or Roosevelt. And in the beginning, he says, oh, I've been a long-term Democrat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is very untrue, because George M. Cohen has was a staunch, hardcore, conservative Republican. Yeah. yeah. Right? And he was super against Roosevelt. Uh, into his later tenure. So, so that was a bit fictional. So it's not exactly a biopic true to its yeah, thing. Yeah. Like basically any of yeah. them, really. So it was tweaked. So he starts, um, he actually, uh, he, I think he says a great line, I actually was born when there were only so many stripes and stars. Yeah, there was only, uh, there wasn't as many stars. Stars or stripes, yeah. yeah. It was in Providence, Rhode Island on the 4th of July. There weren't so many stars then in the flag or on the stage, but folks knew that more were coming. So it opens up uh, after that moment with Roosevelt, he we go in a flashback yeah. to a, a 4th of July parade uh, in 1878 where Jerry and Nellie Cohen, a pair of uh, vaudeville actors, are getting ready to welcome the birth of their son. Yeah, and go figure, George Cohen yeah. wasn't even born on the 4th of July. No, he was born on the 3rd. Yeah, the but, day before. But to sell his image as, as the all-good American, mm-hmm. he changed it to the 4th. What I love about this scene is the conversation about his name. Go on. Yeah, it was just um, they wanted a strong American and Irish name. Oh, yes. And they, go, uh, they made a couple of suggestions. So he was named after George Washington mm-hmm. uh, for the American, and Michael for the Irish name. And so his name is actually George, George Michael. Michael. Yeah, so he's either... So is it George Michael, the musician, that's... Uh, has taken it as a stage or name. Or is it George Michael from Arrested Development? Oh, the George is fine, but the Washington may be too long for a billboard. Well, how about a nice short Irish name, Dennis or Michael? George Michael Cohen. Could be the same. It's a, is, But isn't George Michael named after the singer George Michael? Yes. That's, yes. Yeah. yeah. So we find out that his name is uh, George Michael, and then we kind of do a f- uh, flash forward to um, the birth of his sister Josie, and this is where the story, you know, we we meet the four Cohens. Yes. Um, also, uh, just to quickly say, I was reading up about it. So cinematography out the ass, right? It's um, Mr. Wong. I remember his first name at the oh, moment. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who's done a lot of the stuff, and you can tell. Everything is shot immaculately. Uh, everything is framed correctly, yeah. which I love. There's movement in the camera. Was he an American director originally or a Hong Kong director? No, he's, he's Chinese-American and he's not a director, he's a cinematographer. A cinematographer. Because yeah. I was just wondering if his background is uh, Chinese cinema, they're, they're... Nope. No, he's just American-Chinese. Yeah. Oh, wow. I believe so, anyway. Yeah. Uh, no, because, yeah, he only got famous in Hollywood. He also invented a lot of stuff. I think yeah. we talked about this last week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, regardless, um, it's really, really good. You can see a lot of movements. Like when he's. When, Steady movement, too. Yeah. George Cohen is born. Like the camera follows the father. The father. And that's really rare for uh, this time. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's even on a dolly. It looks actually. Handheld. It's handheld. It's obviously on a dolly. It's on a dolly, right? but it's really are huge back then. Um, but it's really smooth, smooth movement with the, with the cameras. Anyway, we move. Uh, to the birth of his sister Josie, mm-hmm. and then we see what the family um, does when 
George is around, what would you say, 10, 11? Uh, yeah, it's like yeah, r- roughly around, around that age. That age. Yeah. So we just see in a montage the kind of vaudeville acts that his family uh, does. Yep, they tour around, they do crappy stage plays and musicals. Yep. Uh, every song sounds the same. Yep. <laughs> it's wild. We're very vaudeville there's a, style. There's a part in the, mo- in the movie later where he's just written this brand new song, right? Uh, we could probably get to it when we yep. get to it. But he's written that brand new song. Uh, <laughs> and then it sounds like the one that he wrote earlier on. In the and it's just what it sounds exactly the same as everything else. And people are going, it's so different. <laughs> My ears are trying to pick up. It sounds just like every other bloody 1920s or 1930s song. Yeah. yeah. Good. It's rather different. You like that, Mr. Templeton, do you? Excuse me. That's only a chorus number. What we see during the vaudeville act, of course, is um, some controversial things. One would be his sister lifting up her skirt. Not for the time. I mean, oh, the, for the, the, t- the the girl lifting up her skirt. This is a very conservative film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And, and you don't see anything, but you know exactly. Yeah, but um, one of the main scene of. Uh, of course, is that we see the family in blackface. Yeah, so they're doing uh, blackface to raucous applause. Yeah, <laughs> and and um, yeah, yeah, applause to applause and cheers, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, which is not no- unnormal for the time, right? Because uh, no, that's what it's supposed to be. That's what vaudeville did. Uh, also, so this film does feature a lot of black actors. It does right, as, as side characters. They're all there, right? You see them as. Um, servants for the president or just people in the street and stuff like that yeah which is fine because that's kind of how it was back then the weirdest part and apart from the blackface which is obviously offensive to a modern audience yeah um uh, because it was whatever it was made at the time i that's just kind of what they were showing off right they're not actually doing it and saying this is normal and okay no this is just showing as a biopic what was normal for the time i just before you continue your thought, I actually thought that that scene with the blackface was, in a way, documentary-like. It was like this was just something that happened. This they is what didn't, they did, yeah. Yeah, they didn't linger on it. They didn't make it a big deal. It wasn't. They didn't give it a, a, a musical number. They said, "Yeah, this is the vaudeville act that they did." And you know what we can do as a modern audience? Justify it as just mud masks. <sighs> anyway, continue with your thought. <laughs> Well, whatever. Anyway, the weirdest part for me is later on when he's doing one of the two very, very patriotic songs. Yeah. There's a moment where there's a cutout statue of Abraham Lincoln. Oh, yeah, when they're standing on the the steps. And they all look to him, raising their arms like a god. Yeah. And that government of the people, by the people... For the people shall not perish from the earth. That was just a weird, striking moment. Yeah. Of, it just felt so bizarre. Yeah, a little out of place. Like, yeah. Well, not out of place, just like it kind of like deifies yeah. Abe Lincoln for black people. White savior. White savior, right? <laughs> it's just, I'm not saying that that's not, that might even be true. Yeah. Because he was the one that helped put forth the notion of freeing the slaves yeah. right, in America. So that makes sense in terms of American history. But just the way they portrayed it on the stage, like, hey, look what we did for you, black people. I think this is also, an, I mean, we're getting pretty in-depth about our thoughts, you know. Well, that's the point of this podcast. 20, not even yeah. 20 minutes in. But I think it's also, let's 
realise when this ma- movie was wa- made is 1942. Well, 19, it was two years in the making. Two years in the making. So sure. the World War II is really ramping up. So they're trying to recruit people to oh, go 100%. over there. Buy war bonds. Buy war bonds. This is this is a recruitment film in a way. Kind of is. But it's from everything I've read, not really at the same time. But it's about... Warner a- Brothers wanted to create an image of patriotism. The patriotism. That was it. It was a whole point of Warner Brothers made this film and it was their, their goal was to not so much... Um, you know, like American government funding them to get people to join the army. Yep. It was more along the lines of trying to paint themselves as like the uh, part of the heroes. Uh, Warner Brothers is part of the good guys. Yeah. Right? It is the modern equivalent uh, equivalent to um, uh, what Disney does for everything. We're the good guys. Yeah. Right? Uh, no sexism or racism. We it's, it's everyone else who are the bad guys. We're the good guys. This is, as we've said, is an American propaganda film. And mm. this is what I'm saying. The movie ends on over there. Like this is, yeah, yeah but it is, I've, I'm going to say it, yeah, it is a recruitment film. The, the fact that in the film, I don't know, we're just jumping right <laughs> to the ending of this movie. Uh, the fact that at the very end of this film, they start talking about World War One. Uh, when the president's talking to thing, he said, hey, thanks to you, we won World War One." Yeah. Like America was a huge... America was involved yeah. in World War One. That is 100% of a fact. Yes. They lost 50,000 people in the war. Yeah. Like 40 to 50,000 on World War One alone. And they set over 200,000 troops. Yeah. Uh, around there, just... Was it 200 or 400? Yeah. I think it was 400. Yeah. But they never really had a huge involvement. Yeah. Right? They were there as like a tertiary... Um, thing in a lot of places. Yeah. It wasn't until World War Two that America really ramped up with the war thing and helped win the war big yeah. time. Yeah. Right? It was American, Russia, and the Commonwealth. Yeah. Uh, and a few other countries. There's too many to name. It's just weird to see a movie where that's a propaganda piece where America says, oh, yeah, we won World War One." Yeah. Yeah, it's just weird. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it is a recruitment film, I think, because it's like, we are the soldiers. We're the great soldiers. This is why we're going to show this wonderful statue of Abraham Lincoln for black Americans to see, to see, to go, remember what he did, this country has done for you? Not only that, but there's, like, at the very end when we see him playing uh, Roosevelt again, yeah. he brings up a lot of jokes. He jokes about a lot of stuff, but he also points out Hitler, Right? Yes. He says, hey, and that dirty Hitler so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Insert cut of audio here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I can't forget how Lafayette helped give us our first chance to win our fight for liberty. And now they've taken France. We'll take it back from Hitler and put ants in his Japans. And that's for the record. There's a weird part that in my brain that thought, man, what if you did something like that for the modern times? I suppose it's been done in the past with stuff like... Uh, Team America, where they've got Saddam yeah. Hussein yeah. or uh, the Taliban or whatever. Yep. But because that's the equivalent of yep. that back then, where it's just, here's the obvious bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be Putin nowadays, right? Because That'd of the be Russian Putin. Ukraine stuff. I remember in Avenue Q, the song uh, Only for Now, they announced George Bush, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and that changes, of course, with every year. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> We we've jumped all over the place. Yes, we have. So we're just we had to get this out of our system. system early. But uh, yes, I we an American s- recruitment army film. Anywho, oh, I, I, it's not though. Well, I'm feeling that it is. I, I, that, that's what what it comes across as. But from Warner Brothers, it is just so that they can say we're the good guys with you all, everyone. Uh, kind of like what happened in the 50s with the Red Scare. 
Yeah, we're not communists. We're not communists. Yeah. Here's a bunch of super American films because we yeah. ain't one of them dirty commies. No. Um, yes. Look how useful we are. Uh, anyway, we see the vaudeville part, of course, with the blackface, and then we skip through time, and then uh, George and his sister Josie and the family have gotten older. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, young, no, no, sorry. Young boy. No, no, he's no, a young no. boy. He's a young boy. He's 12. Sorry. George gets his lead, his very first lead. Uh, it's not a lead. He's a side character. But it, that... He's playing some sort of tough kid. His father says, you've got the lead part. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. because it's the one, Peck Bad Boy. Mm. Um, Peck's Bad Boy. Peck's Bad Boy. Uh, uh, so that's a, it's actually really, really fun. I love watching that part. He's uh, try, is young George trying to be a tough boy. Yeah. When he's just this theater, theater kid. kid. <laughs> <laughs> and he points out to the kids in the back row, and he goes, I'm, I'm tougher than all of you. I'll whip all of you. Yeah, I'll smash like that, right? you all up. I'll promise, but I can still like any kid in town. Um... <laughs> And what happens? Uh, so the stage, you know, the the play ends. He gets all the applause. His ego is is boosted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's making deals with all the backstage hands, talking about how great he is. And then he is told by a stage hand, uh, George, there's gentlemen outside yes. wanting to see you. And you feel like every one of the adults in that room. You are, sick of him. You know, They're all being polite to him. Yep. And but they also know what's to going to happen kid. as well. Yeah. They're like, you're deserving what's coming next. He does too. He's, he's a little shit. Uh, that's as, as much as that. And he gets beat. He gets beat. He, he gets goes mobbed at, by like 12 kids. Who throw food and rocks at him yeah. and bash him up. <laughs> he gets ganged up on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, during this time, a producer has spoken to his father and mother about bringing them on to go and do a, an actual stage show. So there's another scene later. It's it's basically the next scene. It's ba- basically. So the he's next all recovered. We've seen him. Um, the family clean him up. Yep. Uh, and then uh, th- they start negotiating. But George, uh, he wants more, more for his family, more from the producers, and it, more fame, more fame. I, I think this is the point where we see him as a young... So this is ambitious. the height of his ego. Yeah. Because uh, the rest of the film, he's kind of level-headed, right? Kind of. There are parts where it's he thinks... The la- it's the next one with Mary. That's the height of his ego. And then he's humbled. I don't think so. Yes, because he tries to get his girlfriend the song and the guy says, your whole family is blacklisted. Oh, that's true. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so young George tries... To talk big with the producer, the producer has n- wants nothing to do with George's attitude. The family loses the contract, and then he has to be given disciplined. Um, this is one of the funniest scenes. It's one of the funniest. The family, you know, are arguing who should have done it. Yes, so the, the <laughs> because father, they're both soft hands. Exactly. The father grabs him and he's like, "I should have done this years ago. They'll put you in line." <laughs> he tries to, was it? Is it his face uh, first? He yeah, he goes. He wants to go for his face. He, he goes for it, but the mother intervenes and says, no, 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 he has to sing. <laughs> and then he goes for the ass and then... No, no, he goes for the hand. Oh, yes. And he goes, no, no, he has to play the violin. <laughs> <laughs> and the father agrees. He's like, yeah, you're right, actually. <laughs> it's great. It's a really funny child-beating scene. Yeah. All right. And then he turns around and spanks him on the ass. It's not on the hand, he has to play the violin. All right, not on the hand. Not on the mouth, he has to sing. All right, not on the mouth. Come here. He probably deserved it. He does deserve it. There he does. Um, cuts again to the future. Yeah. And he's several... doing vaude, vaude as a old man in some play. 
Yes. Hmm. Yeah, so now he's um he even says it in the play. He reaches the age where he's now playing his mother's father. Yes, but he is 17. But he's 17. It is James Cagney in full. And um yeah, this it's is a what 40-year-old Jane. man playing a 17-year-old. Yes. Uh the family as we see the four Cohens are, are quite popular. They're obviously well known as well. Anyway, George is resting backstage where a young woman who has been just in awe of him from the stage comes and visit George thinking he is an old man mm. and asking for some grandfather advice. Yes, about breaking into the business. Yeah. Uh, and the whole point is just him kind of just bullcrapping her. Yeah. And just... Uh, just play. It's a fun little tea scene. You, you can see the joy and fun he is having and the audience is having at Mary's expense. It is. That's and This is pretty much... You just summed up the whole film. It is little vignettes showcasing George's life. Yeah. Uh, as a... Like comedy, yeah, yeah, it's it's wonderful. That's yeah. why I really like it. Like the dialogue is super duper snappy, snappy and quick. Uh, every th- this movie is a freaking machine gun for rapid fire dialogue. events. Oh yeah, events, and, yeah. Dialogue. and dialogue. Holy crap, it's hard to keep up with the the back and forth of character. But that, I feel like that is of the period of the forties, though. In some of the I movies, I don't know because I've seen a lot of movies from back then. That are just, it's stilted. Oh, wait until you get to Philadelphia story. Cary Grant and Hepburn. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is so fast. It's so great. Can't wait. Um, uh, anyway, Mary finds out he's a, real, he's, he's a real boy. He's a real he's boy. He's 17. Age appropriate. Yes. Uh, and he says, don't worry about this dame. I'm interested in you. Want to go on a date? We'll have a nice cold bottle and a bird. What's a cold bottle? Well, that's a wean show business called a piece of pie and a glass of milk. Aren't you going roller skating with that? Pipperino? No, I'm tired of picking her up. I want to go on a date or, you know, stick with me, kid, and I'll make you famous. <laughs> That's, oh, my God. What? Is he the casting couch of the of the 20s? We don't know if he was because I would Maybe say... Maybe 1900 back then. Yeah, because it's still pretty early it's days. It's still young, yeah. Well, World War II, one has obviously happened because he's... Not mis- yet. It has to be or he would have been drafted. No, because that's what happens in the... Uh, remember when he tries to go to yeah, war? But that's not World War Two. That's World War One. That's World War Two. That is World War One. That's World War Two. It is World War One. 100%. World War Two. 100% it is World War One. Do you want to stop in this? In fact, <laughs> look, here it is right here when the Lusitania gets oh, sunk. Oh, that's right. Oh but my. then why couldn't he think then? Because he was an old man. I'm saying this all occurred before 1900. This is where this was, because I was like, why is Roosevelt here? Because he's old, of course. Yeah. So, no, no he was 39 in 1915. What? He yeah, was, probably. Yeah, that's what it says. He couldn't enter. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at. He's, he's an older man. He can't actually do it. So, I was wrong. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, and the facts on. were right in front of my face, too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, he falls in love with this dame, even though it's not really shown. Like I said, it's a very conservative film. It is. Um, and Does he even kiss on the lips? I think later on in the movie when they're a bit older. Yeah. Because he gets the ring and that's when they start smooching. Well, that's the only reason I knew that they were together. I was like, oh, now they're married because the ring is there. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Anyway, um, um, he... Uh, cut again to later. He tries to... I, we have to say that um, during this time when he's 17 years old, 
he gets the family blacklisted because he gets his girlfriend Mary uh, to sing the lead song when another girl was supposed to sing it. No, a dog. There was supposed to be a dog show. There was supposed to be a dog show, yes. Yeah. So um, he gets her to go on stage. The owner of the, the theatre yeah, loses of- his mind. You know, if you've got any squawks, you unload them on me. I'm the one that started all this. Listen, Squirt, any more interference on your part and you'll be blacklisted in show business. You won't even be able to get into a stage door of any theatre in this country. And what's more, as for those songs of yours, they won't even be played on a hurdy-gurdy. Are you trying to threaten me? And it turns out this is stupidly normal back then. Yeah. The theatres were basically a part of some cabal. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of a group. group of a group. Right? And they would just just own everything. Yeah. Uh, and so if you were blacklisted, they just tell their mates and you couldn't perform anywhere in New York. So you had to do off-broadway. Off Broadway stuff, yeah. yeah. And you'd have to, to travel. So his family are blacklisted and then we... Um, we skip and we see that they're kind of struggling. They're at this border house for actors where the lady of the house is like push the Coens to the back of the table so they only get the scraps because they haven't been able to pay. I, I will admit I kind of zoned out at this part. I don't remember this part at all. Oh, okay, right. So, um, yeah, from here we find that the Coens are not actually be- being booked because they're blacklisted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and George knows that this is his fault. So he's like, I've got I've to sell my show to somebody. So, uh, so they go to Schwab. Yep. Um, supposedly this uh, dude with Famous his, producer. Uh, famous producer yeah. at the time with, a, with his offsider, yeah. his junior partner. Yeah, it was a great little double act between it's, the it's two. It's really, really funny. Yeah. Um, and he just gets kicked out, basically. Yeah. Um, he gets kicked out, and then we see that there is another person in the in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. Trying to sell a new, the- uh, a new uh, musical. Yep, uh, about an American jockey. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. So, because he was trying to sell music, he was—he wasn't trying to sell plays yet. No, he was just sell, selling his songs. Mm. So he meets. Uh, well, he runs into uh, a writer, Sam H. Harris, mm-hmm. uh, who then also gets thrown out of the room. The two cross paths just for a little moment uh, until they bump into another individual uh, who's willing to help. Spend his wife's money. Spend his wife's money. <laughs> yeah. How come they could spend his? How come he could spend his wife's money? But I'm not allowed to. Yeah, it was yeah. so great. I can't understand it. Why is this wife's money better than my wife's money? Why? Uh, so, so they con a guy into giving them money to in do the plays. spur of the moment, because uh, in the uh, bar that. Uh, George is, is in Drowning His Sorrows. He hears Sam pitching this play, but the man actually wants a musical with girls, 20 mm. girls. Yeah. And uh, in a spur of the moment, the two men, just with their eyes and hands, plot to rob this man of his money and get their show exactly. up and running. Um, so it's called The Little Johnny. It's a musical called Little Johnny Jones. And about an American jockey who maybe took a dive or... I, th- I think it is. Yeah, Wait, from what I'm getting. Let us check... Uh, little Johnny Jones, and this is this sequence is the sequence I think anyone who's a theatre kid or a musical theatre kid kind of knows. Like, mm-hmm. is one of those songs that is in the back of your head. Like, oh, I know that tune. I don't know where it's from. I don't know at all. Yeah. Well, for a music theatre kid and a theatre kid, this is where the song "Give My Regards to Broadway" and uh, the Yankee, Yankee Doodle, Doodle Boy. Boy. Um, I must say, okay, so we get, not only that, we get to see uh, a lot more of uh, James Cagney doing tap dancing. Tap dancing. Or dancing. I love tap dance. Yeah. Uh, I think it's amazing. And seeing just the fact that James Cagney acted the crap out of this film to portray his 
stiff tap dancing style of George Cohen yep. is insane. It's why he deserved the Oscar. Uh, like the fact that okay, tap dance is tough, yep. but to pretend you're doing someone else's style, yeah, that's insane to me. Well, while we're on the subject of tap dancing, of course, uh, Fred Astaire was offered this role, but he did not want to take it because he could not do or he refused to do the stiff leg style uh, yes. of Cohen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Little Johnny Jones. It's a musical about some jockey, jockey who, who went to England. Into, to race in a derby in yeah. England. Wow. But it's got the song, I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yankee Doodle do or die. And um, we just want to say that uh, Cohen's singing style is the same as Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's the singing, oh, no, talking. I don't know. Lin-Manuel doesn't always does that. He, try, he does a lot of music as well. Like if you think of um, all the Moana songs that he sings, those are singing. Yeah, but in Hamilton, he just talks. In Hamilton, it is trying to do rap. Yeah. That's the difference. It's not actually rap. What? No, I was just saying, I was just... What were you looking at? Something. That, I was about to say. Moving. Caleb's been seeing things a lot lately. I have. In this building. I have. <laughs> faces and things. We should play a recording of him nope. freaking out. No, nope. I'm going to delete that part. I'm going to delete it. I'm not doing the edit, lady. <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, it's the most famous song from the movie. I probably. Oh, no. No. Over there would it's be. over there. Is. Uh, anyway, we see we see this bloody play. Um, there's a lot of stage production as well. It's Well, you know what? I um, really enjoyed with this. I was watching, this is not what you would call a classic musical because mm. none of the characters' motiva- motivation or wants or needs are expressed through song. Yes. It's just, um, as we said, it is a pretty much a documentary about this man's life. So we just see snippets of stage. Right. So a smash cut to montages. Yeah. Um, we see him, all these plays that supposedly come out yeah. uh, becoming Let me successful. just finish my thought in regards to the stage stuff that was shown. It was done so well, like the direction and the capture of it. It made me wonder if they were doing that in the 1940s, how come we can't shoot stage musicals like that? It was so good. It, it was. It really was. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Oh, okay. If I think of one literally, it'd be Newsies. I, that's the one I haven't seen. I mean, it's, it's pretty okay. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. It, it's very – they got that New York – New York accent. Yeah. yeah. They're really like on the street Bronx style. But um, no, Newsies is done as a stage play, but filmed correctly. Yeah. So it's filmed like a film oh, on yeah. a stage. That's great. Yeah. So yeah. go and check it out. It's also about the, um, the, the unionization of, of Newsboys, of the newsboys. On, in 1920. Christian Bale was the, what, the lead the of origi- that one. In the original. In the original. This is the stage reproduction there is. I've seen him footage though, and in, in the original movie. Oh yeah, that's so the, right. There was a movie, yeah. then there was a uh, stage reproduction. Yeah, that was theater, filmed in theater. Yeah, and then there was uh, the theater version being filmed. Filmed. Yeah, that's why I'm really hoping that freaking Beetlejuice gets that. Gets that because original movie, theater production, movie based on a theater production. Yeah, I would love that because yeah. I love. The musical way more than the movie. Yeah, as with everything. So yeah, I'm hoping just seeing the um how they were a- able to capture all the stage. Uh, don't, don't forget also, this is a movie with a movie's budget. Yeah, so they can play a little bit. But they can I do whatever say, they want. Theater can be recorded, folks. <laughs> it is. Haven't you heard that? What? So supposedly. Every single theatre production that goes on Broadway is filmed like the Hamilton Theatre yeah, Musical. Yeah, they just don't... They, they're, they're, but they're stored in an archive. And they're used for study. 
they're used for study, but they are filmed professionally and recorded professionally. Yeah. So they're out there, there exists the perfect rendition of everything yeah. that's come to theatre since 1970. Yeah. Of every broad... That's why um, there's, like, petition saying, release the theatre cuts. It is insane. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. Anywho, we're just... Uh, yes, so they have huge success with little Johnny Jones, and then we do smash cuts to uh, all his other... There's like, other plays, plays other musicals. Um, in the meantime, you know, George proposes to Mary. Uh, his family has amazing success. Uh, there was a little scene in between all this... Um, that George hires his family after they've having uh, uh, yeah, basically. trouble on the road or mm-hmm. they're not finding work on the road. Uh, no, no, no. It's just they're old. They want to retire. Well, Remember? Uh, 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 they get their success, um, George and, and Sam, and then George hires his family. So the four Cohans are touring together on Broadway or, or out together That's on right, Broadway. Yes, you're, you're correct. Yep. Then we go through a quick... Jump through time, George proposes to Mary, uh, Josie becomes engaged, and the older Coens buy a farm and retire. That's it. And then at that point, literally at that same scene, um, I think it's a Christmas scene? No, it's his father's birthday. birthday. It was a beautiful scene. I actually Um, teared up here. (laughs) God. So this is after Mary, uh, not after Mary, after Josie literally says, I'm going to get married to man, and I'm probably going to want a family. Yeah. So they're breaking up. Uh, they're breaking up, and then the father's birthday, and he's got she's got him a she's got him a pocket watch. Yep. Right, and they're like, oh man, I got him a smoking jacket. Yep. And then he's also in the smoking jacket is a letter of partnership to his father. Yeah. And his mother, I think. No, yes. It's his father. Yeah. No, well, it's yeah. Well, all of, anyway, it's, just, when so it, it's a letter. Getting paid. Yeah. Oh, here's a letter from George. Well, oh, I don't want you to open that now. That's just between you, you haven't and me. written me a letter in twenty years. I'm going to open it now. I'm going to read. You don't have to read it now, do you? George, this is your party. I can sit down here and let him read letter. Nepotism, people. It's a thing that's real. Yep. So yes, after that, more montages, more plays, more musicals, singing, 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 dancing. Yeah. America. So we do the montage of the musical theatre and then George, because the critic says he can only do big Broadway productions. Big musicals. Big musicals. That's what only he's good for. George writes a play called Popularity, which is a serious drama play. And it bombs. And it bombs miserably. Uh, there's a great scene where he's like, I want to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to go down there and write about how they are wrong. But they're the wrong. And um, Sam is like, don't do it, bro. Just don't do it. What the hell is wrong what with you, man? Just take the take, take the, the hit. <laughs> take the take the kneel. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they go to writer. They they do actually they go to Western <laughs> Union. They go to Western Union to put an ad in the paper, which is the show is closing. Yada yada yada. To the theater going public, George. To the theater going public, I wrote a play called Popularity. Mr. Harris and I produced that play. In the opinion of people we respect. It is a bad play. In this, we heartily concur. It is a very bad play. That doesn't matter because um, the Germans have just sunk a boat. The Lusitania, Lusitania, which I've read a book about. I think there's there is Well, there's one that's... There's there's a a heap of stuff. This is literally what caused uh, America to take notice of the war. Yeah. All right. Um, The Sicky of the Lusitania because it was a ship that was carrying a lot of American people, Mm. right? As well as maybe guns. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, and it sunk because it hit the coal. Right? And it's a beautiful big ship with two twin smokestacks. Yeah. I read too much about this, all right? Yeah. There is a book called Dead Wake. And it's written by the guy. Remember I recommended you a book called The Devil in the White City? Oh, yes. 
All right, it is written by Smash Cut right here. It is written by Eric Larson, <laughs> um, who wrote The Devil in the White City, which yep. is actually my favorite nonfiction book. Yep. Um, I tried to get into it. it just it's so couldn't. good. It's I mean, so good. It's just, yeah, I like, like I said, we're just going to detour a bit. Yeah. It feels like two separate stories. It is. Yeah. They don't re- relate it, whatsoever. Whatsoever. It just happened to be but a it's coincidence. it's about the creator, the person in charge of the World's Fair in Chicago. It has been made into a TV series at the moment. Can't wait. Um, with, of course, famous serial killer H.H. H. Holmes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the man in the boat, in the, in the, What's the hat called? The bow, bow, bowers, bow, bowler hat. hat. There, there we go. go. Um, everything about the serial killer is upsetting and disturbing. Yes. But everything about the creation of the World Fair is so filled with wonder. Yeah. That it's one of those things where I feel, why wasn't I born in that generation? And then I realize, oh, it's a nightmare to live there. Yeah, gosh, I'm okay. <laughs> no, it's better. Let let that happen when it was happening. Anyway, his first book was Dead Wake. I don't even think it's his first, but it's still uh, an amazing book recounting like with heavy research a lot of people who wrote diaries on the book before yeah. it sank yeah um yeah there were guns there were guns on that ship yeah. the germans kind of bombed that and then um the i think the british pitched it as a reason to get america to because join they said board. it was just a civilian ship exactly yeah because uh, they were kind of transporting stuff that yeah. they said they weren't uh, possibly, because yeah. all of it got sunk and burnt up. It got what they wanted, which was the Americans in the war. All right, so this is when it becomes very by war bonds. Yeah, by war bonds. Hey guys, there's a crisis in mm-hmm. Germany. Look at the uh, parallel common lines that be happening. So George tries to go and enlist as a soldier because yes. he's a good American boy, right? Yeah, he's a Yankee Why Doodle Dandy. He fight for America. Yes. And then the, the most unrealistic thing I've ever seen is. All of the um, the American soldiers that are in the place, yeah. they're all like good old boys. Yeah, they're all like lovely people. They're like uh, little league coaches that you see for movies. Yeah. Hey, George. Nah, man, I'm really sorry. You can't join. Yeah. 39? I'm sorry, Mr. Cohan, you're over age. 31's the limit now. Well, what's eight or nine years more or less? The Germans aren't going to ask me for a birth certificate. Oh, I know how you feel, Mr. Cohan, but... You've got to be young and tough for this army. It's no picnic. All those hardships, the metal strain, the trenches, the fighting, the marching. And the mamzelles. I hope. And he's just kind of being a jerk to them. And he tap dances for some reason. I think it's it's that American pride of, I can serve my country. I'm and not everyone old. And everyone's a hero. Yeah. Right? Yeah, everyone should stand up and be able to do it. But they're Buy like, war bonds. But they're like... No, George, you, you're important. You're so important. You're you're Broadway. You're fighting the war on this side Started of the continent. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're doing that. Anyway, he's rejected. He is over the age of recruiting age. Which is 39. Which, which is, is 30. true. Yeah. Because yeah. um, um, he thought it was 35, uh, 40. He's inspired by the soldiers marching through the streets about yeah. to give up their lives for the sanctity of America. And he writes the song. Over there. Over there. Uh, which is so out of um, copyright date. We can just sing it if we want. <laughs> if we want. Over but there. Na, na, That's it. Na, 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 That's na, all na, I know. Na, na. Over there. Over there. It's an American marching song. I've literally never heard this song before. Um, I have. Okay. Like, it's one of those songs. It's like, ah, oh, that's being played because... And it's one of those... This movie is referenced in so many so so many pop cultures so yes. many po- yeah it this is yeah it's crazy <laughs> uh i guess it is anyway cut to the future more plays more dancing more dancing the americans 
you know, fought the war. Josie and Nellie died. It was really sad. I was like... I don't remember this in the slide. The sister dies? Yeah, they don't show it. But they don't, yeah. They don't but who's Nellie? His mum? His mum. I don't remember that. No, because it, it, it happens just before he accepts going back onto the theatre. Oh, well, he, he retires. He's, he retires mm. and he's just, um, you know, it's not the same without Josie and Nellie. And then... He's so fine. over there is that one where there's the big American thing, remember? Marching, yep. Um, and it, they've got the it's a grand old flag, and over there, and it's that scene where uh, it's shot incredibly well. I think this is a high point for like musical films, yeah. Because I've seen so many of those. It's a live stage, it's cabaret, and here's a rounded stage, and guy in the flat top hat, and he's got swelling the. The, the hook, cane. the cane. Yeah, that feels like that scene for this uh, where the over there song is. That feels like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, and that's the scene where you got the the black Americans raising their hands up to praise, praise Abraham Lincoln yeah. and all the others. There's a part where they're loading shells. Yeah. into a freaking uh, into gun. Um, that that gun thing. I feel like that was a classic American pose. I don't know. There's a lot of it. Yeah. Like, if this was filmed in 1947, there'd be Iwo Jima, right? That's what it feels like. This is this is what this is where I was getting confused with when they were shot because some of the iconology that they used is well, because well, don't forget a lot of stuff from World War One from American equipment. Yeah. Kind of was carried over to World War Two and then developed further. Just the imagery of some of these things. I was like, isn't that in the 40s? It's pure. Propaganda. Yeah. That whole play scene. Yeah. Like there's the flag behind everyone. Yeah. People moving to the camera and they're saluting soldiers. Yeah. This feels like overload for me. Yeah. This is to the point where I uh, I was more of a comedy than any other part because it just feels like a farce. Yeah. Like this is what modern people I've got to stop saying the word like by the way. Okay. This is what modern people would look back upon and make jokes about. Yeah. It is just so over the top and serious about its message. That's how I feel. Yeah. What about you? Well, this is why I'm saying I feel feel like this was an an American recruiting film this is mm. like how patriotism how is this yeah, is what yeah, we yeah, have yeah. to do because that scene was just full on and sort of strangely out of place because this of course is a flashback of his life but i felt like it, so much importance was placed on this scene it was given like seven minutes i oh, feel it was, it was long uh george's dad dies yep everyone's sad it was very sad everyone's sad um, and then George dissolves his partnership because he feels like maybe it's time to retire. Maybe it's time to give up. But that is not the true story of that uh, partnership falling no. apart. Uh, so a bit of history on George, uh, good and, old Cohen there. And Sam Harris, his partner. Yep. Um, there was a huge unionization of mm-hmm. actors that occurred roughly around that time. So in the, I think it was 1922 or something like that. Yeah. And to the point where... Because George was an actor. Yes. Right? He was on the stage, that but he was, was also a producer and music writer. Yeah. And the union uh, the, of actors wanted more pay. They wanted fair pay to do what they were doing. George was staunchly against them. Yeah. He tried to fight them with everything uh, until the point where he was almost blacklisted himself when the union won. Yeah. Uh, and that's another thing I was reading. That's possibly why he came back after. Yeah. Because he wanted to restore that image. Yeah. But everyone hated him. James Cagney, 
almost didn't want to do this. Uh, because of what he did. Because of what he did. Yeah. Thank God he did too on the Academy Award. But, you know, it's George was kind of a scumbag for, against unions. And that is why him and Sam dissolved. In real life. Yeah. Uh, because it was he, was, he became a tarnished name. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And it was ruining their shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, anyway, he goes into... Montage. The, yeah, montage of Mary and uh, George travelling the world and getting caught up in it. There's a great scene uh, when Sam and George are dissolving and they both walk out together just shaking each other's hands. Yeah. Hey, I thought you two were fighting. Oh, we're fighting here. Shake my hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what was it? How, what about the contract? And, the, and then he says, uh, the only contract we've ever done was a handshake. Yes. Hey, what's this? We thought you guys weren't speaking to each other. Can we have a picture of you and Mr. Harris tearing up your contract? Well, that's impossible. We never had a written contract. The only contract we've ever had. Hold that pose, will you? We want to show it to our legal department. I thought that was very sweet. Very full of lies. Yeah. But as someone who didn't know that beforehand, I thought that was a lovely scene. Yeah, it was a very... Their partnership, I felt... I said this earlier on to Caleb. This movie doesn't have any woes me moments there's it's no it's just up it's just constantly up it is and i kind of i get that that's kind of his life yeah for reals yeah but it is a constant freaking push-up even his father dying is bittersweet yeah. because it's like he's crying and he's upset obviously because his dad's dying but it's but it's, it's because it's how memorial of like how great his life is getting up to that point and you know because he also ends up with that sweet thing of my sister thanks you my mother thanks you my father thanks you and mm. i thank you and it's just like oh that's so sweet it's wonderful yeah i said my mother thanks you my father thanks you my sister thanks you <laughs> i thank you they're on the farm yes they're on the farm and a bunch of young kids pull up asking for water so they can put in the car <laughs> and um hey they're old timer yeah and he does he whistle or sing a song or something Oh. Anyway, he, he says his names and the kids are like, who are you? That's right. He, so he's whistling a, an old song and he says, do you know that? Uh, know that true? And yeah, he starts naming his things and the kids are like, no, that's... Uh, no, it's the paper. Remember? Oh, the... Oh, the and the, it's written the, as... Sticks, nicks, hits, picks. That's yes, right. And the kids are like, hey, what is this? Uh, is this code? Yeah. Well, that's show business talk. Here, I'll translate it for you. Sticks, small towns, nicks, refuse, hicks, rube... Picks, pictures. Small towns refuse, rule pictures. Sticks, nicks, hicks, picks. Sticks, nicks, hicks, picks. A sticks, a nicks, hicks, a picks. A sticks, a nicks, You know, I thought that was new jive talk. New what talk? Jive talk. Oh. Is it jive talk? Is it jive talk? It's okay, fellas. I know jive. Yeah. So he explains to the kids what it means, and then they the kids ask, what's his name? And he says, George Cohen. And they're like, Who? Exactly. And he kind of, I don't know, feels a little offended mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, he is not being remembered. So he suddenly has a realisation that he wants to perform again. That's right. So his wife comes up to him and she says, hey, baby, uh, Sam called me up and he said that he's got a play for you. I'd rather be right. Yeah. I think you should take it because you're wasting your life away here. And I know that you miss the stage. I know that and, you miss the stage. And you know, if... If you were in a jam like Sam is right now... He needs the money. Yep. Um, you know you would help him. It's like, okay, darling, you call him up right away. I'll take it. After a lot of like, I don't want to do, do it. it. I don't want to do it. Yeah. He, he gives in. This is one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Yeah. 
Uh, and she says, oh, it's okay. I've already called him up. I yeah. said you take the job. Yeah. Because you need to get out this, uh, George. Yeah. And then he replies. He's like, ha, ha, ha. I was listening to the conversation all the time with the downstairs <laughs> telephone. Well, I want you to know I knew it all the time. I was listening in on the phone downstairs while you were talking to Sam. Why, you devil. You knew it all the time. And once more, I phoned Sam right back and told him I'd play it. Oh. I knew all along. Oh, oh, my God. I think it's a lovely scene. It it's it sums up their relationship. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. She understands him. Um, yeah, and that's it. He goes on and he performs again. And this is what we cut back to in the beginning of the film. Yeah, because the play Sam wants him to do is "I'd Rather Be Right" as Franklin Roosevelt. That's right. And he, we see a bit of the play itself. Um, we get to see. Uh, him performing the music and making fun of a bunch of people that I don't know. I actually love that opening song from the start. It's at, wait, scratch that? Is it? Yeah. Oh. You know, that he opens the play and he's singing the song on stage and he's as Roosevelt and he's talking to the press and he's like, oh, he's voicing his opinion. Oh, yeah. And he's no, like, that's wait, fun. hang on, scratch that. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Off the record. Off the record. Yeah. Uh, that was really, really fun. That was a, a lot song. of musical uh, talk singing again. Yeah, talk yeah. singing. And then he goes to meet the president. Yeah, he's been summoned. Uh, they hired... He thinks he's going to get blacklisted again. That's right. <laughs> no, but they hire, um, off, off the film, they've hired actually the number one uh, impersonator of Roosevelt oh, oh, at that true. time. So that's actually how he kind of sounded, from the voice of another Oh, person. from the voiceover, yeah. I don't know. I'm not from that time period. Yeah. I'm sure we could look up old like uh, war Re- footage of him. Yeah, there's definitely recordings, World War Two. Yeah. Um, so, yes, uh, Roosevelt says to him, um, you know, you're a patriot. Uh, you know, you've done so much for this country. Here is the Congressional Medal of Honor, um, particularly for your songs over there. And it's a grand old flag. Congressional Medal of Honor. Let's see what the inscription says to George M. Cohan for his contribution to the American spirit over there and grand old flag. Presented by Act of Congress. So, in real life, he chose not to accept that bloody medal for about 20 years. Yep. Something like that, or 10 years or something like that. Yeah. Because he refused to do it until two years before his death. And he happened to be in Washington at the time. Yep. And they thought, uh, yeah, we'll give it to him now. <laughs> they were just waiting for him to get in town to give oh, it to him. Oh, really? Because he didn't like uh, the Democrats. Yeah. And he didn't like Roosevelt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first actor to receive the honor... Uh, yeah, so because usually it was given to people of public mm-hmm. servants who have reached high up in the government. Yep, yep, yep. So this started that tradition of other uh, specialties or occupations to be honoured for this medal. Yes. Um, kind of like how you can get knighted nowadays by the queen or the king now, I guess it would be. Uh, for, for the arts. For the arts, which yeah. is silly. No. <laughs> I it, think it is. That's ar- what laureates were for. Yeah. You'd be a laureate. And that was technically a knighthood, but it's for the arts. Yeah, but now you get to—they get to have Damon, Damon their names and sirs. I, I don't know. I'm not too sure. Sorry. I think that makes the difference. It's the same really. Thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Could people with the word title, sir? Yeah. Um, Madam, anyway, George responds to the president: "My mother thanks you. My father thanks you. My sister thank you, and I thank you." And he leaves the White House he and le- he tap dances down the stairs. Yep, very happy. Uh, which was actually ad-libbed. 
Yeah, I read yeah, that James too. Cagney uh, just started tap dancing down the stairs. He's such a good actor. Like, his dancing style is so good. I he wonder, just that's probably not the first time that that's been done, the tap dancing down the stairs. I'm not too sure. But because Shirley Temple's done it as well. Uh, for that famous scene. Oh, they've all done it. Anywho. I think you're right, but don't call me Shirley. Don't call me Shirley. Right, that's my second airplane reference oh tonight. You're not God. even counting. Alrighty then. Anyway, he goes, there's a bunch of soldiers. They're all marching. Who it's would World have thought, War II. It, who would have thought when he's leaving uh, the White House, there would be a parade of soldiers singing. So he leaves the White... Is it at night time? Yeah, singing? it's definitely night time. It's still night time? Yeah. Okay, because in my brain, it's daytime. Yeah. Um, they're marching. They're all singing over there. George joins them, Proudly. which is bizarre. This happens at the beginning of the movie where the father tries to get to the, uh, oh, yeah, the birth. The birth and yeah. he, I think that's the whole point. It's yeah. supposed to represent the beginning of the film. Yeah. Um, and, jo- and his father and walks into the parade. to show how much of a patriot he's always been. Exactly. But he walks into the parade itself and they're cool with it. Yeah. I've never seen that before. Oh, yeah. You get the um, Anzac Day March. You try to walk up next to the soldiers, they'll tell you to get me. Yeah, they'll say, move out of the way. <laughs> but yes, he actually walks in step with one of the soldiers and he's just walking Come on, with old Tana, I don't hear you singing. Do you know this song? And he goes, smiles to himself, smiles to the camera. And like, What's the matter, old timer? Don't you remember this song? Seems to me I do. Well, I don't hear anything. Yeah, and starts singing the song and then it ends. Then it ends. The end. This movie is an hour and 40 minutes. Yep. What did you think? It's good. I enjoyed it, genuinely. I, I really, it was a really did. Um, it, I would definitely watch it again. I can't, I probably would as well. Yeah, I would actually share, I would say, you know, if you want to know more about American culture, American cinema, uh, just American patriotism. Gorgeous. Uh, um, just watch Yankee Doodle Dandy. Uh, but watch it for the nostalgic fantasy that it is. Yeah. Because that's what this whole film feels like. It feels like a like a fantasy-styled film of American patriotism. Yep. Um, yeah, the misty-eyed thing where you salute yeah, the, the American, American flag dream and, and yeah. Uh, so there we go. That is our rundown of the film itself. I hope you enjoyed it as well. So what would you give this film as a rating out of 10? No half numbers. <laughs> I would have to give it an 8. You just give it a straight 8? A straight 8. I'd give this film a 7. Okay. That is my default number for a lot of things. Yep. I really enjoyed it. It's a good film. I give it the seven because it is very of its time and it's fun and it's delightful actually to watch, but it's still very propagandary. Yeah. It's uh, and that's the turnoff for me. That's what lowers it from an eight to a seven. Actually, you know what? I agree with you on that. It's too Americana. Yeah. So yeah, it's seven. A solid seven. A, a good, solid seven. A oh, a strong, strong seven. A strong seven. I don't like decibel places in scores out of 10 yeah. because it then turns it out of 100. Yeah. Then what's the point? Let's just make it out of 10. Okay. Yeah. Out of 10. So I've a very strong, solid 7. 7. Gr- 7 out of 10. There we go. Great acting all around. James Cagney is wonderful. Deserved. Uh, acting everywhere is fantastic. His sister played the older Josie as well. So it was a family affair. Exactly. Which is great. She Kept did it well. in the family. Um, no, it was good all around. I think there was one actor that I found very, very stilted. Um, it's remember when he goes out in the street and there's this other actor that's a who's this George oh, and Colin? Oh yeah, he's and rival. It's his right, real life person, yeah. and they actually became kind of friends in real life. Yeah, but it's just that he's doing a caricature. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? With the big <laughs> sm- the goofy face. And I also loved how he uh, spits when he talks and yes. then and George uh, and does it's, it it's too. And it's literally done on purpose just to make fun of this guy. Yeah, yeah. Because he's obviously his friend. Friend, yeah. But it, it just feels like everything else is kind of like semi-serious it, and he's just going straight into like screwball comedy. Oh, we didn't talk about some of the little digs uh, and humour that is throughout the play. Like... Um, it is incessantly constant, but there, it's a lot of it just goes over my head yeah. because of who it's based on that I don't know about. Oh, it's just, you know, when he's trying to get the, the big actress to sing his songs and he's just digging on her career throughout <laughs> yeah, that exchange. And so it, it, she, you know, she's like, how dare you say he's, that? Basically, the first half of the film is him being a con man. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to go straight into one of our other segments, which is none other than the top 10. Look, we screwed up last time. I screwed up. What? When we were looking at the best films of oh, that time. And then we spent like 15 minutes. I cut it down to six. Okay. All right? yeah. we, okay, if, for those of you who listened to last week's, uh, the last, previous episode. Caleb got we, lost in 1995. I I just cinema. got stuck looking at movies. <laughs> so I found, I've, okay, using IMDb, these are the highest rated films of 1942, the top 10. Yep. All right. Let's start at number 10. Uh, this is on the list. It is... Oh, start at number 10? Let's start at number 10. All right. So the top 10 film of 1942 to 1943, was yep. that it? Yep. Uh, was the This, this Gun, Gun for, for Hire. Never seen it? No. Uh, then after that, The Ghost of Frankenstein. At number nine? At number nine. Came out in 1942. It's uh, only 67 minutes long. I can't even see the actors' names. Uh, number eight was This Above All. Uh, sure. I don't know who that is. I don't know any I don't of know those any names. Of these names. Seven was Saboteur. I do know about this film. This is Alfred Hitchcock. Really? Yeah. On oh, 94th. Of course it is. Um, uh, none Robert of those Cummings names. Is in it. Jeez. Um, I Married a Witch is number six. Veronica Lake. Love her. Nope. <laughs> I have no idea. I showed you Veronica uh, Lake, the one with the Jessica Rabbit oh, hairstyle. She's got the Jessica, Jessica Rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah, yeah you're she right. is Jessica Rabbit. Um, number five would now Voyager. Yep, the, uh, the Star Trek Peach prequel. Yep. 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 Now, now Voyager. Now Voyager. <laughs> number four was To Be or Not To Be. Uh, which I have no idea. It's a Polish film. Uh, no, it's not. It's a it's a film from that period. Yes, All there right? we go. I don't know any of these actors. <laughs> Ernst. Lubitscht. It's about Nazis' occupation in Poland. Yeah, that little moment in history. Insignificant mm-hmm. moment. Number three was Bambi. Of course. Probably Disney's one of Disney's major films, would you argue? For the time. I mean Of all time. Bambi. Bambi. Yeah. It's it's synonymous. You think of Bambi this is super huge. Bambi. <laughs> the deer. Why are you looking at me weird? I, I would just say, I wouldn't say of that time period that it was Bambi was the huge. It is one, one of the classics and it's one of the main ones. It's. I would say it's a classic, but none of the main. When I'm thinking of this time period, the biggest movie, hands down, would have been, because it's not of that time, it would have been Snow White. If I think of animated films in the Disney classics era, yeah. I'd, I'd actually classify Bambi as like one of the top five easy Really, really, it is that it is that important for cinema. Okay, what would you say? Classic. Sorry, we're diverging. Disney classics. Yeah. What I say? What? Disney classic films after. So I have modern bias. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, So get rid of the modern bias. If I get rid of modern bias, Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, is number one. As number one. Yeah. Number two would probably be Snow White. I'd say number three be Bambi, easily. Really? Really. It's one of the huge ones. Jungle Book number four. Yeah. Because <laughs> I really like Jungle Book. I would say Sleeping Beauty, mm. Cinderella, 
Oh, Cinderella. Okay, yeah, I'd swap around Bambi for Cinderella. I still think it's in the top five. Peter Pan. Nope. And then there's another one I was just thinking of. People like Peter Pan, but Peter Pan is such a well-established thing already. I would say Pinocchio. Uh, I'd say Pinocchio would be number five then, because I still think Bambi is more of like a bigger name in terms of Disney classics. This is movies before 1980, I'm going to say. Yeah. Right? Let Uh, us know your list, people. Like Aristocats, would you put that in the top five? No. 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 It's fun, but no. Like, I wouldn't put Robin Hood up there. Nothing in the 60s. Nothing. Because they're all kind of shitty movies. Yeah. Anywho, uh, number, uh, number two, two is Cat People. Cat People. Every time, is it a horror film? It is a horror film. I was about to say, we've played that, haven't we? On our TV station, yes. yes. Yeah, and 100% we have. Yeah. All right. Uh, number one, of course, this is actually really high up on the list of actual AFI films. Yeah. Uh, Casablanca, starring good old grumpy face Humphrey Bogart. And Ingrid Burnham. Bergman. Bergman, sorry. God, isn't that just... When you hear femininity... Yeah. Don't you think of the words Ingrid Bergman? Bergman. Yep. <laughs> so strong. So there you go. Those 8.5 are... stars too. Oh, this is on IMDb. So these are user ratings. Yep. But it's got a meta score of 100. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there we go. Those are probably the 10 most important films of that year, excluding Yankee Doodle Dandy, of course. Yeah, it wasn't even in the top 10. <laughs> it wasn't even in the top 10. But The Ghost of Frankenstein was. It won the male lead. He's Oscar anyway. Mm. Good old Cagney. What a great name, right? Very Irish. James Cagney. 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 You know, this is an Irish Catholic. This is a man who has 12 brothers and sisters. Yep. <laughs> he grew up with a bottle of whiskey in his hand. Yes, it's, got, it's just attached with a baby sucker at yeah, the end. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm part Irish. This is true. I love Irish people. Can't wait to marry one. <laughs> <laughs> it's that red hair. Red hair. Now, let's have a look at some of the awards for the film itself. Um, There's quite a few, would you believe? Four, in fact. Four Academy Awards. We're not looking at um, all the awards, of course. That would be silly. No, but we're looking at the top prizes that uh, it took out this year, uh, that year. That's right. So 1942, the Academy Awards. So this is back when... 1942, 43. 43. Yeah. Yeah. This is back when basically almost... Because if you look at the awards from 1920s, a lot of them are crap. They didn't really have a strong grasp of... Like, there's some movies that are 100% deserving, but there's a lot of just chafe. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, and I think it's as they moved into post-war that the awards started to mean something. Yeah, I'm just trying to think, when did Gone with the Wind have its award season? No idea. Was it in the 30s? It might have been. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this film that won... That was a big deal, though. Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Yeah. For their second uh, supporting actress, that one. What was her name? Gilbert Gottfried, wasn't no, it? No, uh, Heidi MacDonald. Oh, Okay. Uh, so yes, the film won uh, Best Actor, obviously, yes. for, in a leading role, James Cagney. Yes. Deservedly. Very deserved. Uh, very, very... Um, he nailed it. I want to know, actually, when did he pass away? When did he pass away? Cagney? Yeah, it was before this movie was released. They, they no, not- that's George. George Cohan died. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um Cagney was alive. Yeah, was alive. (laughs) Yeah, George Cohen died, I think it was five months after the release of the film. Yeah. So they tried to release it on July July 4th. 4th. Yeah. But since he was like really ailing in health, they released it a month earlier. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And he lived for another five months. Yeah, he could have seen it too. And he would have not been able to see it for the July 4th release date. Well, he would have. But but they released it early Ah, just in case so he could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It won Best Music, which is weird, I think. For anything that is 
literally playing music from a theatre to win Best Music. No. Yeah. Because it has to be original. You can't just say... Well, it is an original song. None of those songs are original. They were all stage plays. Yeah, but I mean... If I... Okay, so you're literally saying you get a crappy modern-day teen movie. Yeah. A rom-com, right? Yeah. Ten Things I Hate About You. Yeah. Right? In the background, they have um, they have The Offspring playing. Yeah. Right? They've got Pretty Fly for a White Guy. That gets played on the movie, and the movie gets nominated for Best Music because of the selection of tracks that are already there. I th- That's the same thing. Well, it's because, like, movies such as Sounds of Music have won for Best Music and Best Song. They were originally musicals first. I, I disagree with that as well. That's oh. what I'm trying to get at. Like, I don't think that's fair because uh-huh. you're using pre-established great things oh, to win an award for an Academy Award. You're saying it should be an original song, or original, original music. Song. Yeah, I can I can see your logic behind that. Yeah, that's a, that's wild to me. Yeah, no, you're you're, you're gaming the system. I disagree. If if that wasn't allowed, half of the e gutters. No, no, no kidding. No, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Cheaters, this is what we call them. We've uncovered a conspiracy. <laughs> uh, yes, I, do, I 100% don't think that should oh, be Oh, well. Uh, scoring is separate, and that is deserved. I don't think this movie deserves that for scoring either. It's kind of average. Finally, it won uh, Best Sound for Best Sound Recording. There you go. That was a thing back then. Recording of sound. Isn't it still a category? I don't know. I think it's mixing. It's sound mixing. It's sound mixing. Because this is just, hey, this is clear. Well yeah. done, guys. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> We've just w- moved into talkies for the last 20 years, and you made it so we can understand what they're I saying. I suppose, because when did Singing in the Rain come out? Because that was a big innovation uh, in sound. 40. No, it wasn't 40. It was, yeah, it was 40. Wasn't it 43? So is that roughly around the same time? Um, we just got to check something here. 52, there we go. Well, that means that innovation and sound's a big deal then, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the whole point of Singing in the Rain with Gene Kelly is that they're making fun of how Hollywood used to be. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be the joke where they have that one microphone set up instead of boom mics. Yeah, and they would have to go closer to a pot or something (laughs) so the sound could be picked up. You still haven't seen that film, have you? No. It's on the list. I know. It's number one on the list. No, it's not. Citizen Kaners. Oh, it's number... It's it's in the top three. It's in the top... No, it's not either. Oh, my God. AFI... I'm sorry, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot going on in all of our lives. Uh, in fact, I think you'll find it's number five. It's number five. It's in the top five. Yep, you just keep moving that goalpost. It'll get there eventually. It's in the top five. I knew it was in the top five. <laughs> uh, all right, there we go. Um, so, yeah, it won all those awards, which is good for them. Uh, but also, it was uh, nominated for a bunch, including Best Supporting Actor for Walter Huston. Uh, best Director. That was the father, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, best Director, Best Film Editing, uh, Best Picture and Best Which Writing and Original, and original story. story. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, it was also selected in 93 for Preservation in the United States Film Registry. Yep. Yeah, for being culturally, historically or aesthetically significant. It's one of those films. Same as um, Birth of a Nation. Yeah. Same as a bunch of others. So there we go. Uh, you want to move over to the reviews? Yep. Uh, let's have a look at uh, the reviews from Rotten Tomatoes as well as uh, the average rating from viewers. IMDb. Yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it 90% out of 20, no, 29 critic reviews, which is, that's a very good positive. Yeah, I so mean. it's actually 60%. So the, I was wrong uh, last time. 
it's not 70, it's 60. So if a film gets reviewed as six or above, it's given a fresh rating. Oh, nice. Right? So that means that 90% of the 29 critics gave it a six and above. Yeah. But it received an average rating of 7.9. That's round about the same for me. Um, I, uh, IMBD gave it a seven. IMDb. IMBD gave nope. it. IMDb. Sorry, I'm not wearing my glasses. Uh, a seven point six out of ten. Which is user reviews. Which is yeah, people who've watched it. Exactly. So it's kind of similar in yep. terms of. So this is why I feel like older movies, modern films are much more divisive because mm. older movies, uh, it's pretty much on point. User reviews and critical consensus seem to be very, very similar. Yeah. Modern films, it's critical movies, uh, films that get really high critical rating, uh, not all the time, obviously, but quite often of the big blockbusters, like uh, all the Star Wars crap, they will get tens out of tens or sevens yeah. or eights and nines. Yeah. And then the film, and, and people say, oh, but people are review bombing it, but that works both ways. So the yeah. truth is in the middle. Yeah. So when review bombing happens, you get the anti-review bombers, yeah. which are also review bombing it. Yeah. So you get lots of, uh, hundreds of ones out of 10 and hundreds of tens out of 10. Yeah. So if you disregard that. And you go for the in-between. In the between, that's the actual score. And it's still polarizing uh, for a lot of big crappy blockbusters compared to critic reviews, which are giving them only high scores. Yeah. Um, but older films, not so much. People look at them with an actual accurate lens. Yeah. Because I agree, this is about a 7 out of 10. I will agree with that as well. Yeah, in fact, we only re- we just gave our ratings. Yeah, that, that is our <laughs> ratings. I would give it a 7. Um, yeah, we both gave it a 7. Yep. Didn't we? Yeah, we both did. Yeah, there you go. Alrighty, so those are what the critics think. Now it's time to look at the voices, voices. from the void. <laughs> he so much wanted to bring this back. I'm, I'm going to add sound effects again. Yeah, yeah. sound effects. Sound I already did. I did last time. I added a little bit of reverb. Oh, no. Nice. An echo to it to uh, give it a weird thing. I didn't get that far on the last podcast. Wow. Yeah, sorry. I was busy. Uh-huh. I'm applying for a new job. It, it's not a secret anymore. I got the job. She got the job. <laughs> I got the job. Uh, um, so basically, our next one is going to sound a little bit le- less high quality, yeah. but it'll be there. No, it won't be because i still got one more week to go. So we can... One bang more. it out. Oh, bang we'll it find out. We'll, we'll figure find it out. Anyway, this is a bad review from Marcy Murley, who says, As a great fan of tap dancing and musicals, I found this one utterly lacking in every respect. The music is banal and boring and overly patriotic, as is the entire film overall. The dancing is stiff and unimaginative as well. Are they crazy? It was disappointing to not see much interesting cinematography either, given that James Wong Howe filmed it. This was amazing for 1942. Yeah, I think they're um, looking at at a modern lens. Beyond the jingoism of the film, there is an extremely offensive blackface number, as well as a number of songs longing for Dixie in spite of the Yankee of the title. It's, so this is someone who has no idea of how biopics work yeah. or of how history works. Yeah. yeah. And like we said earlier on in the podcast, this is, this is a documentary. It's a biopic of someone. So this is just reflecting what was seen in the times. They could have been horrendously more in-depth about the blackface scene, but it was not even a full minute. It was just flashed. This, this is what they did. This is what they did. Yeah. This is like doing a review of Schindler's List and going, how dare they uh, portray the Germans as disgusting, ruthless human beings when in the modern day they are generally lovely people. Yeah. 
ridiculous. Yeah. So you have to be able to look at pieces like this with a lens and go, yep, that's what happened back in the day. Uh, I've got another one here. Uh, and I'll read this one. This is <laughs> Catstar1982 has said, I heard that Cagney and Warner Brothers made a, this patriotic film in order to disprove their reputation for being anti-American. Mm. I guess this was a successful endeavor if patriotism is synonymous with shameless flag waving <laughs> and racism. I cringe every time I see blackface, especially in such beloved films. No, this one has not aged well. I do, however, get sucked into watching it at length every time it appears on the Classics Channel. Yankee Doodle Dandy is downright obnoxious and offensive. But then there's Cagney. I'd hate it with a passion if it weren't for Cagney. It is his <laughs> it is a musical and much to my amusement, he can't keep his signature Cagney speak from interfering with the melodies. This is so untrue. Anyway, <laughs> It's as if he acquired his accent from spending the first 10 years of his life in Boston, <laughs> another five in Brooklyn, and the next 15 in a Dali painting. I find him nightmarish, especially when I see him dance, as, as if some demon took possession of his legs, but his upper body alone to fall forward and bobble about. And then, as if that isn't a disturbing enough image, take note of his teeny tiny pointy feet rapidly tapping sometimes all over, sometimes just a little bit. Though I very much want to, at times, it is impossible to look away. As someone who has no idea. I mean, they could be speaking from a, like they're being a dancer and expecting more poise and, I don't I know, clean, so. clean lines. Well, but as we discussed, like, Cagney went out of his way to mimic Mimic Cohen. that style, yeah, yeah, of Cohen. So He wasn't stiff-legged like Cohen. He had... To actually make himself be stiff. Literally, Fred Astaire did not want this role because he couldn't do that tap stuff. Yeah, he couldn't do it. So, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed this movie. I like. I'm well aware <laughs> of uh, the, the lines of dancers and you know being clean in your movement. But I enjoyed him. You did too. I, th- I thought it was fantastic. It was I think fantastic. his accent was uh, great as well. Fun. It was really, really fun. Yeah. Uh, it was more of a caricature than anything else. That's what I felt like it was. It was just a caricature of this um, famous, iconic American um, man, music man. Yeah, because look, if here's a quote from directly George M. Cohen. is uh, When he got a private screening before his death, his comment on the film uh, and of Cagney was, what an act to follow. Yeah. Right? So yeah. It, it proved by the man himself. That he did well. Um, so, yeah, that is that is Yankee Doodle Dandy, yeah, 1942. put a feather in his cap and called it macaroni. Yeah. Yeah, we did it. What a terrible way to end this. Yeah. So just quoting. You know, it was in my head. I was thinking I shouldn't say any lines from the... From the movie? From, no, from the crappy song. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I did. Over called there. it macaroni. Da, na, 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 na. Good movie. Do you recommend it? Yes. I do as well. I think, um, I, like I said, I came in blind with hatred <laughs> and was blown away by how much I enjoyed it. If anything, it's a really good study in um, where American patriotism came on, why it's so ingrained in their blood. Oh, gorgeous. But not only that, but um, uh, like early cinematography done properly. Yeah, done well. Uh, the dance numbers that aren't obnoxious Broadway-looking things. Yeah, not loud and over yeah. overdone. I really hate those more than anything because I really don't dislike musicals from the 50s. Yeah. Um, excluding, of course, the classics. Yeah. But there's a bunch where it's just a guy tap da- or dancing on a stage and there's all these women kicking their legs up and there's just a big musical number 
whether for what, nothing. Yeah, for ten minutes of dancing and in the street. I think it's because of that whole. Um, it was that movement of uh, forcing, like, um, oh god, like a, a special to occur, oh, and yeah, this occurred yeah. back in the in the early television as well. We'd have a like, here's a bit of stand up, here's a few jokes, here's someone singing a song, here's a dance number, and it was like you'd be you get a all variety these, show, a variety show. Thank you, and you're all these stuffy people eating dinner, yeah, and that's what it felt like. Fifties yeah. and forties musicals were just variety shows, masqueraded. As movies. Yeah, it's because they were bringing the vaudeville acts to a new medium. I'm happy it died out. Yeah, and then it died out. But yeah, I reckon this is also a good study for how um, uh, of American theatre, the history of American theatre. 100%. Early theatre. The early, early theatre that changed from vaudeville to uh, Broadway musicals. Yeah, so I think, yeah, the evolution to Broadway. Is the more, evolution is to more Broadway. Is because the vaudeville stuff was going on forever before. Yeah. That. yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's that dying breed. I really do like that scene when the father is dying and the doctor says, that if I feel like I'm watching the death of a, a generation. Yes. This is the last oh, of 100%. a generation. Yeah, I'm watching the death of a, of, yeah, a generation mm-hmm. well, with the father. So, yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful. Yep. Yankee Doodle Dandy, 1942, about George M. Cohen, yep. the British mama. And we're done. And we're done. Thank you for wasting some time with us. Uh, Next time, next time on Literally Just Filler. Top 100 movies, AFI, 10th anniversary list. We are doing Blade Runner, 97 on the list. And 1982, maybe. Oh. No, uh, he, he wants to. It's a maybe. Because we've got to get around to doing it. That's why. We've got to set that up. Can we steal a microphone from here? We can just share a mic. Can we? We've got two. I'm sure we can find a third. No, we just get two and then some, every time someone else wants to speak, you just shove Should it in their face. I reckon fun. We may have a special guest for uh, number 97. Special, inverted commas. Next time on Literally Just Filler. Know, wait, next time. And also, if there are any family members or friends of ours who are listening and who would like to come on, please let us know. Yep. Thank you for Thank listening. you. Bye. Bye.